Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, January 10th. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, banging war drums certainly dominated this week. Thankfully, they seem to have quieted somewhat. The Iranians retaliated with missile strikes after last week's U.S. airstrike that killed one of their top generals. No Americans were killed, and President Trump appears to be trying to steer a path toward de-escalation. So, we're probably heading back toward the status quo of simmering hostilities. Although, I guess given the situation and the players involved, things could take an ugly turn at any time. So, stay tuned, right? The momentary fear of a hot war certainly demonstrated gold's role as a safe haven. After the Iranian missile strikes, gold shot above $1,600 per ounce, peaking at around $1,613. That was an eight-year high. But the elemental quickly gave up those huge gains as tensions eased and the risk premium evaporated. The interesting thing is that other traditional safe havens didn't spike nearly to the extent of gold. The dollar index was up, but only about a point. Ten-year U.S. Treasuries actually dropped slightly during the crisis. Oil was way up, but any turmoil in the Middle East is going to boost oil due to concerns about supply disruptions. The place investors turned as fear peaked was gold. The lesson, if you want safety and security, you want to own gold. Let me touch on Bitcoin for just a second. It also showed some nice gains during the Iran brouhaha. I'm not nearly as negative on cryptocurrency as Peter Schiff. I think there's a future for crypto. I own some crypto. I think its decentralized nature makes it a powerful tool, but I like it more because of its potential as a medium of exchange. The thing is, we've still got a long way to go before it can serve as that role in terms of a broader acceptance in the mainstream, reducing price volatility, and creating networks that the average Joe can actually use. But it seems like the focus on Bitcoin has shifted toward viewing it more as a store of value. And I don't really like it as a store of value, and I certainly don't like it as a hedge. It is a fundamentally risky asset right now. It's very volatile. Peter said one thing I absolutely agree with when it comes to Bitcoin. It's not a good hedge. You can't hedge yourself by buying something that has more risk than what you're hedging. You have to go to something with lower risk, and that's gold. There's another lesson this week uh, can teach us. It doesn't really do you any good to buy gold as a crisis unfolds. That's too late. Investors who got in while the war drums were pounding paid a high-risk premium. You need to own gold before the crisis. Think about it. You wouldn't run out and buy insurance while your house is on fire. I mean, that's not even a thing. At any rate, gold seems to have stabilized at around 1550 an ounce. It was at 1552 the last time I checked before I started recording. It'll be interesting to see if it can hold above that historical level of resistance, 1550. We pushed above that price recently last fall, but it couldn't hold. There still seems to be a lot of bullish sentiment out there despite the easing of Middle Eastern tensions, though. One headline I saw said gold bulls are reverting back to the basics, and the basics are a weakening economy and extraordinarily loose monetary policy. You know, it's easy to forget with our, uh, you know, 24-hour news cycle and, and our obsession with the latest headlines that gold was on a nice little run-up even before the poop hit the fan in Iraq. The article I read pointed out, quote, 
Analysts acknowledge a major pivot and reversal of the monetary policy of not only the Federal Reserve, but the European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, as well as the People's Bank of China has occurred. There are actions central banks globally have been taking that are highly supportive of gold pricing, end quote. I talked about this at length in last week's Gold Wrap, so I'm not going to go into it again. I'll link to it on the show notes page. I'll just remind you that interest rates are exceptionally low. Jerome Powell has indicated that that the central bank doesn't plan on raising interest rates to address inflation unless it becomes significant and persistent, and the Fed is still doing QE. Of course, they're still not calling it QE, but they're definitely still doing it. Oh, and did you know the Fed is still running repo operations? In fact, there doesn't really seem to be any kind of exit strategy here at all. And there are some policymakers that think this intervention in the marketplace should become permanent. This should not surprise you. Remember Milton Friedman's favorite quip, there's nothing as permanent as a temporary government program? Well, that goes for central bank programs as well. I'll link to an article in the show notes page that explains repo markets, how they work, and why the Fed had to intervene. In a nutshell, banks borrow cash short-term, like for 24 hours, to maintain liquidity. Last September, the interest rates on these loans spiked, so the Fed stepped in to artificially push the rates back down to normal. That's the first time that had happened since the financial crisis. There were a couple of coincidental things that happened that caused rates to spike in the repo markets, but it was a sign of a deep underlying problem in the financial system. Short version again, the Fed's balance sheet reduction caused a fund shortage. That's why the Fed is doing QE again and expanding its balance sheet. So here we are almost five months later, and the Fed is still doing emergency repo operations. In fact, the Fed has become a dominant player in the repo market. It simply can't just get up and walk away from the table. The Fed's intervention altered market dynamics. As Reuters noted, allowing dealers to borrow cash at a cheaper rate than is available from other market participants, which discourages firms from borrowing in the private market they used before the Fed began to intervene. Shocking, I know. So the Fed will reportedly continue injecting tens of billions a day into the repo market at least through January. The minutes from the last FOMC meeting indicated that the central bank would like to begin tapering repo operations this month, but it said it may have to stay in the repo game until at least April. If I were a betting man, I would put money on the Fed still being in the repo game in May. According to Reuters, some financial firms are urging the Fed to stay involved permanently through a standing repo facility. I think that'll probably happen. Repo operations are temporary like debt monetization was temporary during the Great Recession. By temporary, we mean permanent. Intervention begets intervention. We got some other data on gold this week that I wanted to touch on. Central banks continued what the World Gold Council called their remarkable gold buying spree in November. According to WGC data, central banks gobbled up another net 27.9 tons of gold. That brings the yearly total for 2018, with one month left to calculate, to 570.2 tons. That's 11% higher than the same period in the previous year, and the previous year nearly set a record. In 2018, central banks purchased just over 650 tons of gold. According to the World Gold Council, that was the highest level of annual net central bank gold purchases since the suspension of dollar convertibility into gold in 1971, and the second highest annual total on record. Turkey and Russia were the biggest buyers in November. The central bank gold buying spree is expected to continue into 2020, as countries continue to create a hedge against geopolitical risk and diversify their reserves away from the U.S. dollar. 
World Gold Council Director of Market Intelligence Alistair Hewitt said that there are two major factors driving central banks to buy gold, geopolitical instability and extraordinarily loose monetary policy. Notice the theme, loose monetary policy. And he said, quote, central banks are looking toward gold to balance some of that risk. We've also got negative rates and yields for a large number of sovereign bonds. Meanwhile, gold-backed funds also had a big year in 2019. Holdings in gold-backed ETFs grew 14% last year. ETF gold holdings reached a record 2,900 tons in the fourth quarter. The previous record was set back in 2012 when the price of gold was near $1,700 per ounce. Overall, gold-backed assets under management grew by 37% in U.S. dollars due to positive demand and an 18% increase in the price of gold in dollar terms. Interesting tidbit, in 2019, the price of gold hit all-time highs in every major G10 currency except the U.S. dollar and the Swiss franc. Global trading volumes rose 27% year-on-year to $145 billion per day in 2019. So, once again, the common denominator here is good old central banks. The WGC report said, quote, The strength of gold was mainly a byproduct of a dovish shift in monetary policy. Our research indicates that a shift from a hawkish or neutral stance to a dovish one has historically led gold to outperform. Additionally, investors may have been drawn to our research that shows that positive impact of lower rates on gold prices, as well as the potential for additional gold exposure in a low-rate environment. And with over 90% of sovereign debt, Debt trading with negative real rates, the opportunity cost of investing in gold has improved. End quote. Again, the fundamentals driving gold don't seem likely to change anytime soon. We're still going to have loose central bank monetary policy. We're still going to have geopolitical tensions. We've got an election coming up. We have impeachment. We still have a trade war. And we have some pretty weak economic data underlying all of this. But hey, don't worry, the stock market is up, right? Or maybe worry. Just a little. And if you are just a little worried, this is a good time to build your hedge. Like I said earlier, you don't want to buy gold as the next crisis unfolds. You want to already have gold in your portfolio. Peter recommends at least 10 to 15%. A Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist can give you a lot more detail uh, and more information on all of this and help you evaluate your portfolio, where you are and where you need to go. Give them a call today at 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links on the show notes page to those things, also to various articles that relate to this week's news. I appreciate you listening to the show and I'll talk to you again next week.